This is the best of daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Go to jfbelievers.com for more information. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. Verse 26 of our text says, When they led him away, they grabbed one Simon of Cyrene coming from the country and laid the cross on him to carry it after Jesus. Now please note that Jesus carried his cross. And you know what? Today he's asking no less of us. For the cross is a vehicle of death and we are to die to this world and to all that would keep us from a discipled walk with him. Luke 9.23 says, He said to all, If anyone desires to come after him, or come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Matthew 10.38, Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Luke 14.27, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Matthew 16.24-26 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now this man, Simon, unexpectedly stepped into eternal fame. Little did he know when he got up that morning the role he would play in history. But here we read his name. Two thousand odd years later, forever enshrined in every Bible around the world. Now, being that he was from Cyrene, which is northern Africa, it is very likely that Simon was a black man. But even more assuredly is the understanding that he was a Gentile. And Simon, well, he apparently never came back from this event, but rather was changed forever. For we read elsewhere in small morsels of Scripture, passages to lead us to the understanding that his children eventually became believers and that he himself played a significant part in furthering the kingdom and the spread of the early church. Verse 27, A great multitude of the people followed him, including women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to tell the mountains fall on us and tell the hills cover us. For if they do these things in the green tree, what will they be done in the dry? Now, despite the masses that turned against Christ, both then and now, there's always been what Scripture refers to as the remnant, those faithful few, those faithful few who refused to follow the crowd. Jesus, unlike many of the church leaders today, did not try to gloss over the reality of the situation. No, he laid it out there. Certainly, many have tried to paint a picture of status quo. You know, that everything is fine today and all there, and, and everything is just religion as usual. <laughs> but Jesus, he knew and had warned his followers concerning the sure decline of his popularity. But the majority of the people obviously did not get it. Not then, not now. And the so-called faithful today plow blindly onward as if the world will have no end. 
Our Lord's words in verse 31 were profound both then and now. Again, it says, For if they do these things in the green tree, what will be done in the dry? Jesus knew that if men would deny, compromise, and reject him, when he stood before them in the beginnings of the church, and when times were good, what would they do later when comfort and possessions and liberal theology would rule the day? When persecution and tribulation and trials become the norm, will we be the part of the masses? Or will we be the remnant that follows him and weeps? Verse 32, there were also others, two criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him there with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And Jesus said, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Dividing his garments among them, they cast lots. The book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 12 says, quote, Therefore I will give him a portion with the great. He will divide the plunder with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was counted with the transgressors. Counted with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. End quote. Ironically, what was designed as an attempt to degrade the Lord was, in fact, a grand picture of his ministry as a whole. It was rather fitting, really, for those that Jesus came for, lived for, and now would die for, to actually be represented with him there at that moment. One of these two would reject him, and the other would embrace his salvation. Within 24 hours, one of those guys would no longer be on a cross of judgment and shame, but would be in paradise with Christ. Even under the extreme situation, <coughs> excuse me, under the situation of pain and humiliation. I want you to notice that Jesus was still doing his job. He was still fulfilling his calling, still fulfilling his destiny. He was still leading men, even one at a time, to paradise. In his weakened state, Jesus no doubt had buckled under the weight of the cross and the strain of the flogging. So Jesus was delivered to Golgotha where some people believe that his ministry came to an end. Hmm. There are also those of us that clearly see it very, very differently. In fact, I believe it was there on that hill that the ministry of Jesus came to a triumphant crescendo. I mean, it wasn't like he was surprised to be there. No, in fact, Jesus had been planning for that day well, for several thousand years. You see, this day, this event, it wasn't the end, but rather the culmination of the salvation of Christ. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed, Isaiah 53, 5. So fulfilling prophecy every step of the way, Jesus followed through with his mission. Now, Jesus, he had been brought to the place of the skull. It's a, a place of crucifixion outside of Jerusalem. And even in the overwhelming nature of the moment, the heart of Christ was still towards us, towards the sinner, even towards those who were crucifying. 
The soldiers gambled there at the foot of the cross for the very close of Christ, fulfilling the prophecy of Psalms 22:18. I mean, can you even imagine that scene? Gambling for the close of the crucified Savior of humanity? Gambling for the close of God incarnate. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.